2: Welcome to the 77th episode of Social Suplexes podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to all things elite. My name is Austin Summers and I am the host of this lovely show. And joining with me as always is my cohort, Floyd Johnson Jr. Floyd, how you doing, man?
1: I am doing great. Uh, It's Friday. It is the the third of my four days off in a row. So Ooh. I am extremely rested. I have played a lot of Madden. Started a franchise with the Bengals just because I like to pick shitty teams and make them better. Uh, but yeah, it's a good day. It, it, it's a good day. It's am uh, celebrate Miro Day like I tend yeah, to do yeah. too because it's it's Miro Day. But uh, no, it's been a great week. Oh, dude, did you did you see how my video I got from my friend on his birthday? Uh, no, I don't believe I did. What was that? Oh, okay. It was on Facebook. I know you're young, so you're not on Facebook all the time. <laughs> but uh, my friend Jason's birthday was September 23rd. He turned 40. And, you know, it's a big one. And Jason is a diehard Raiders fan. Like, we met at 12 years old. So we're both about to turn 40. And we met at 12. So that's a uh, 28-year friendship. Uh, the first thing I knew about this man, uh, first thing I knew is that he was a UCLA college basketball fan. Second thing I knew about this fan- person is that he's an Oakland Raider fan. Uh, and or Los Angeles Raiders at the time. That's how old I am. Las
2: Vegas? Oh, no, no wait, they were LA. No, They're they Las were, Vegas now, yeah. then they were Oakland, then they were Los Angeles. Before that, they were Los Angeles. Yeah, that's right. I always forget that.
1: Yeah, see, yeah. So uh, So. Um. I found out he was a Raider fan, and I told him I was a Chiefs fan, and they were rivals. And our rivalry, as far as our friendship, has been going for 28 years. But when you root for football teams, and you've rooted for teams as long, you have a certain player that your player... That's like, all we always call them, That's your, they're your God. Little G, not Big G. They're your God. And it's like, for him, for me, it was Derek Thomas, number 58 from Kansas City Chiefs. Him, it was number 81, Tim Brown. Uh, yeah, he, even, he even says Tim Brown's the greatest wide receiver of all time. He's in the Hall of Fame, so it's an argument. And he says that uh, he used to joke. Like like he played the joke on me in middle school, and as we got older that Tim Brown was his real dad, that's what he used to say. <laughs> Tim Brown was his real dad, and he used to it like if he got people and they kind of bought it, he would play along like forever. He had people for months questioning whether Tim Brown was his real dad, well, with covid and everything my my goal, my plan is Tim Brown lives in Dallas, we live in Oklahoma, I was going to try to get it where my best friend could meet tim brown couldn't do that COVID, you know whatever i'm not gonna even try i'm not gonna put anybody in that uh situation i just i just know some people that know some people that know some people i'm like eight degrees of separation away from tim brown it's not like we're best friends or anything well couldn't make that happen but because of the greatness which is this product called cameo i can make it happen so about a month ago I I was talking to Tiffany and talking to my friend Sheila. Just about different things, celebrities and stuff they wanted on Cameo. And we weren't even talking about Jason, but it hit my head. Hey, maybe I can go, uh, maybe I can get Tim Brown. And um, yeah, so I I went on. Tim Brown was on. And I got him a video for his birthday. Uh, I'm afraid Jason is... One of the hardest people to buy for. He is like me. We buy our own stuff when we want it. We are very... Like, if we want it, we buy it. So, he's very hard to buy buy for. And he doesn't really like getting gifts. So, if you're going to get him a gift, you kind of got to get him a gift he wouldn't even know he wanted. So, yeah. uh, uh, At midnight on the 23rd. Because I had this for two weeks. And... I I don't know how how your best friend situation is, but with me, Jason is a person I tell everything. He doesn't not a thing he doesn't know about me. He he gets all my exciting moments, but so for the fact that I had to go two weeks without telling him was something that I don't do a lot. You know, so uh I sent it to him at midnight. He was shocked, he was speechless, he said he had to hold back tears, all that good crap, and he got to hear uh, from his hero, Tim Brown, who referred to himself as his dad. That's why Tim <laughs> Brown Tim Brown will always go down in my history. Now from the, For that moment, Tim Brown will go down in history as one of my favorites because of that. Because I didn't think he would go along with it, and he did. He said, hey, That's Jason, really cool. this is your dad, Tim Brown what a guy yeah what that's what guy. i was like damn that's that's pretty awesome and uh yeah so yeah that's what he got for his birthday i i think i i i swore i swore for a couple weeks telling my wife that i was more excited to give him the gift than he would probably be to get it i was wrong he was definitely <laughs> more excited to get it than i was giving and telling you the excitement for me to give it was a lot it was just like it was like a home run and again To the point where his mom, I've known her most of my life, (laughs) 27 years probably, his mom actually called me to tell me how good a gift it was. (laughs) Because it was just like, it was perfect. Like I said, he's not a person that gets excited about anything. He's just a very, he's, he's way cooler than me. He's he's he is the cool one of the friendship. You know what I mean? He's for sure. Yeah, I like I, I can't even think of I can't even think of any type of uh he is for Nickelodeon fans, right? He is Drake, I am Josh.
2: There you go. Yeah, there so go. he's
1: the cool one of the friendship. So yeah. Uh the fact that he actually got started and nerded out a little bit actually worked out with me.
2: There you go. Perfect okay. way to celebrate the birthday for sure. Now, we got a lot to talk about on this episode of All Things Elite. Of course, we have Late Night Dynamite to go over, which took place on Tuesday after the NBA. We then have, of course, this week's Dynamite to talk about and then to preview next week's. But before we get into the show, I want to make sure you're downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. And again, if you're on Spotify, you can do the same with Google and Apple and just share the podcast. We appreciate that. Please leave a rating and a review. And if you're so inclined to, you can also support us directly. With a donation through our podcast provider Red Circle. And please support us by following us on social media on Twitter. We are at AT Elite Pod. Follow also our podcasting uh, dads in Social Suplex at Social Suplex. Follow myself at SZumer4 and then Floyd at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Now, the big news of the week isn't really a good uh, thing to talk about. Um, now, it was only a matter of time before this ended up happening, of course, because, I mean, we're dealing with a pandemic of course that's still very serious as we speak right now uh covid has hit aew a little bit more harder than it has in the past there have been multiple uh wrestlers who have had contacts with covid or have had relatives or friends who have been in contact with covid and they've had to self-quarantine for the uh for the for a good while um now Floyd, i'm pretty sure you have the list of the wrestlers who have been affected by covid in this uh recent week
1: Okay, so um the most important person and I don't mean this as in putting value but uh as to as to current storytelling is Lance Archer. Uh he is the one of the people that actually confirmed on Twitter that he did get COVID. He said it wasn't from wrestling. It was from uh, a family member that came over and was sick and Got him sick and, you know, and he didn't even go, he didn't even fly to Jacksonville because he had already got the positive. So he didn't fly to Jacksonville. So there was no, I don't think he was around anyone. Um, Secondly, uh, we'll talk about him a lot on this show, but uh, the amazing indie wrestler, uh, Ben Carter, uh, came out as confirmed, as confirmed with COVID. I, I did not see any official list of who else was affected but they basically said if you know they were scheduled to be on the show and they weren't on the show that they had did you have any other names? I was looking before we got on the phone so
2: uh, let me take a look real quick as we look at the card that was uh, set up because
1: um, Lance Archer didn't appear I believe so. Yeah, yeah, Lance Archer didn't appear uh, Eddie Kingston was in a match and then the Butcher and the Blade didn't appear I'm not going to say the Butcher or Blade have it but Again, going along with the... If you kind of expected them to be on the show and they weren't, that's a thing. Uh, a match next week is, has a substitution that maybe... It might be for storytelling or whatever, but uh, we'll see. Because uh, uh, you had a... Because, I mean, we'll talk about it, how it sets up, but it's like FTR and FCU. But if you look at the graphic, it has Scorpio Sky with Frankie Kazarian, who that's not what they've been doing regularly so again i'm not saying these people have it i'm just saying these are some of the changes that we've seen coming up that i'm like oh i don't know if they have it or don't have it but i the really the main part i really want to focus on lance archer because he was literally in a championship uh he was in a championship uh Storyline. Yep. a storyline program with Mox leading to their match on October 14th. Uh, he he was the main event of Dynamite this week. It was supposed to be him, Ricky Starks, and Brian Cage against uh, Moxley, Darby Allen, and Will Hobbs. So that had to change. Uh, Tony, uh, Tony Khan sent out a message, you know, this happened, we understand it, so it's going to be uh, Moxley. The new main event was Moxley versus uh eddie kingston which you know a lot of people was excited about it also had a reasoning eddie kingston did not get eliminated from the battle royal uh by uh normal standards uh what happened is he went through the second rope and then lance archer threw him down to the ring and referees it was a long period of time in between the two things so you know he went out and then he left so, you know, that's elimination. But, uh, so they were like, oh, Eddie Kingston's kind of old a title shot. So it actually worked in the storyline aspect of it. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're going to probably see some changes going forward. Cause next week's, uh, show is taped. Uh, you know, if you, yeah, this, uh, 30th, the September 30th show is taped. So there's some matches on the card and they're definitely happening. Uh, those are happening because they've already been recorded or they're being recorded tonight. I don't know how it works because there was a Jacksonville game last night, so I know they didn't record doing the Jaguars game. It would have been too loud because Daly's Place... And uh, TIA f- field or whatever it's called today is are connected to each other. They're, I mean, there's no separation. They are pretty much the same structure, same gigantic structure. So, uh, yeah. So they couldn't have done it during then. So they either did it late Wednesday night, right after they recorded live, or they're recording it tonight and then sending everyone else home. But COVID has unfortunately, with all the protocols, with all the protocols uh, in place uh you know getting to AEW i mean in this case the protocol worked getting yeah. to AEW uh is uh you know they can they can keep you quarantined when you're there but they can't can really control what you do when you're at home
2: yeah and like i said like it's with the severity of it all like no promotion no league has been able to be safe from it 100% so we knew it was going to only be a matter of time for a decent amount of superstars or a decent amount of wrestlers to be uh, constricted with COVID. So we do, all we have to do is just uh, right now we just wish all of those guys and girls if they have it and if they uh, have been confirmed to have COVID uh, please get well soon. We hope to see you back soon and healthy and please stay safe. And then we'll just we'll eagerly
1: await for their return as soon as possible but yeah yeah because um, let me tell you i'm not saying it's the 100 percent but you can do this stuff and not get it i live in oklahoma i traveled through texas to get to florida from i mean i've traveled yeah I traveled to georgia to get to florida and travel from florida back through texas and drove to back to oklahoma so i've done all of this traveling and i've tested and i haven't got it So, social distance, mask, do all the things they say, I'm like, there is a chance you still get it, but it can be done without getting it. Unless I find out, like, I'm, like, ultimately immune, which I guess some percentage of the uh, population would be, Uh, but I don't know. I just know that I got tested, and your boy came back negative. There you go, but right now let's get into the
2: uh, late night dynamite that took place on Tuesday. We had three matches on the card with Chris Jericho as well on commentary. We had Scorpio Sky and Ben Carter, Brandy versus Anna Jay, and Matt Seidel versus Sean Spears. I'm going to kind of group all of these together because it was a short little, almost dark that they had on uh, Tuesday after the NBA, but it was on TNT. But I'll just go over um, what I thought um, overall. I felt like the group of matches that they put on were strong. I had a little bit more of a softer spot to Matt Seidel and Sean Spears because considering Matt Seidel's debut, this was much better. He did a way better job than uh, what ended up happening with the unfortunate botching that took place on his debut. And I think now like fans seeing him perform are like, oh yeah, he's actually good. So like, maybe we can stop like dragging the guy a little bit. Brandy versus Anna Jay was a lot of fun. I want to see more of Anna Jay in the ring, honestly, because I think there's a lot of potential with her. And I think just more time to see her wrestle other opponents would really help. Um, and then Scorpio sky, obviously proving himself continuously as being one of their better single guys on the roster. And I was impressed by Ben Carter too. Haven't seen a ton of his stuff. And I was, uh, very impressed by seeing him because, um, Every time a new guy and a new girl come on to AEW, whether it be on Dark or whether it be on Dynamite, um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of incoming thoughts into it. Because AEW has really been pretty selective with the people that they put on uh, their shows that come from the indies. And they normally have a really good reason as to why they picked them. And I've seen that with almost every single one of the people that they've picked up. And Ben Carter is no exception. He did very well against
1: Scorpio Sky. But yeah, Floyd, uh, your thoughts on late night dynamite? All right. So first of all, Anna Jay and Brandy uh, was amazing. It slapped, as the as the people say. Uh, Brandy, much. Brandy uh, was very physical. And if I, you know, I've seen a lot of matches recently where it seems like the women are more working a more physical style. And if that's the case, sign me up for more because. The matches have been really good lately. I've seen a definite improvement in the performances. Uh, Matt Sidell and Sean Spears. I didn't know with Matt Sidell making his debut against Sean Spears, who loses a lot of his big matches, I didn't know what way that match would go. So with Sean Spears cheating to win, actually, it it worked out because, you know, Matt Sidell doesn't lose much. But Ben Carter might have had the greatest one day wrestling in uh AEW history he was on uh he was on dark versus lee johnson and that match was amazing uh i mean like amazing like i watched it twice amazing uh they both just you just saw a future there if they wanted to do a rivalry over a lot of years man you could definitely uh call it uh it was like the first dark match where i actually called my casual friends and said hey if you have an extra 10 15 minutes go watch this match it was really good then him and scorpio sky killed it so ben carter is one of those people he was trained by uh he was trained by uh seth rollins he was then uh apparently found or you know told by Tony or whoever hey uh by Britt Baker that you should sign him so he comes you know from good stock I've seen him wrestle in uh I've seen him wrestle on the indies I was immediately hooked the first time I saw him so if he is interested in signing with AEW if that's something he wants to do I definitely think they should offer him a contract not because it's so like hey, throw him on TV right now, and blah, blah, blah. But he's someone they could build for the future with. He could wrestle a lot of dark matches, lower tier dynamite matches, and then, you know, build on him. Or if he's, you know, and that's the thing, you know, some people got into this business to go go to WWE. And that is something uh, a lot of people are going to have to, you know, recognize with young wrestlers. You know, I took my, some people took their first month to get to the WWE. So AEW might not be something that they want to do, but if uh Ben Carter is interested in signing A.E.W. Uh, put him down but uh you know i mean he definitely has a wwe tie being trained by seth rollins but uh yeah it was it was really good wrestling this week really good i i mean bravo his performance was on tuesday in both matches i know they were recorded i guess like a week apart but they were amazing i don't see any reason you wouldn't bring ben carter back
2: Sure, yeah. Honestly, I, I 100% agree with that, and he did really impress me when, when uh, Late Night Dynamite came on. But overall with that, we can now move into the AEW Dynamite of this week, which opened with the in-ring debut of the best man, Miro. And he had bad Kip Sabian as his partner, and he teamed to face Bad Boy Joe Janela and the Concrete Rose Son- Sunny Kiss. Obviously, this match is dominated specifically because... We got to see Rusev, a.k.a. now Miro, back in the ring, actually wrestling. He's ripped like a new frickin' arm model. I mean, my god, he looks good. Um, despite the blonde hair being uh, either a yay or a nay in many people's eyes, um, I'm okay with it. He looks like Slim Shady, but that's fine. Um, but Miro, honestly, just he came in and he just used his strength and power to just rip uh, Sonny Kiss uh, and just slam him around and then just uh, really impressed me with how he looked, even for a short period of time. The match wasn't overall that long, but a great way to open the show to get Miro to be right on the start of Dynamite. I think they're really going to trust Miro to be one of their guys that they're going to have appear a lot often. And, uh, of course, they came out and they got the victory. It finished uh, when he hit the game over Camel Clutch finisher, which is now the name of it. He hit Sonny Kiss with that uh, submission, and uh, Sonny Kiss ended up uh, tapping out. And Miro and Kip Sabian got the win. I'm still interested to see exactly what the hell they're gonna do with the whole wedding uh, uh, segment that's most likely gonna come with Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford with Miro being the best man. Um not sure how that'll go, but at least with the at least with right now with the with Miro's debut match on AEW, I'm for it hundred percent. He's definitely one of the guys that I'm gonna be keeping an eye on and seeing what they do with them. Now, Floyd, your thoughts on the debut of
1: Miro. It wasn't what we wanted. Uh, you know, you know, you want definitely want a dominating singles match. Yeah. He appeared of to get hurt somewhere in uh or landed on his ankle and I was like, the way he was limping, I thought it was an Achilles, but he he was able to shake it off. Apparently he just kinda, you know, Landed wrong, which is great because Achilles ain't nothing to play with. Uh, no, it ain't. Uh, yeah, that's not a good one. But if you have ever watched football, he did the Achilles limp. He was doing the Achilles walk, and I was like, "Come on, no!" Uh, but yeah, he 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 walked, and then he finished the match. A lot of spots, you know, a lot of spots were off. But, you know, when it comes in, and what people won't realize is a lot of these times, like Miro and Sonny Kiss and Joey Janello it's probably their first time working together, you know? Yeah. You well, know, Miro
2: hasn't been on TV in a very long time. Yeah,
1: Yeah. period. You know, and it's like, it's their first time working together. You know, there's going to be some hiccups. It, like I said, it wasn't super strong. I'm not going as far as some people are going and call him, him mid-card Miro, because to me, it's just like... Big thing is not a, everyone can't main event at the same time. And exactly. it, it's like when you, when you're uh critical online, you just hear like, why aren't they just pushing that guy to the moon? Cause you know, unfortunately someone has to lose. Mox is the guy right now. And you know, Brody's the guy in the uh, TNT uh, championship division, you know, FTR is the tag team. It's like, you can't push everybody, unfortunately. So Miro's, Probably he's going to be with this Kip stuff in kind of like this waiting role until there's a spot available in the main event or the TNT Championship area, and then they'll push him right. It's just I think AEW has garnered enough trust over the last year in how they use people to be patient.
2: Yeah, and honestly, the fact that it started as a tag team match, I kind of lowered my expectations with what I was going to see with Miro because. Yeah, it's just you want to see him just dominate as a singles guy, and they're really kind of keeping him with Kip Sabian at least. So it's still not what I fully want from Miro, but from what I saw, besides the freak uh, ankle spot, which scared the shit out of me, um, Miro looked good, honestly. Mid-card Miro, I don't think, is a thing people are having knee-jerk reactions and instantaneously thinking, oh, you're you're wasting him. It's like... It's his first week. Like honestly, like yeah, I, I, I know, you. I know, I know. Like a lot of fans will say, AEW fans will be like, give it some time, but then they'll be like, oh, but WWE stuff is instantaneously shit. Like, like calm down. There's different situ- situations and stuff, and not every single fan is knee jerk on like one promotion, but not another. Not yeah. every single one is like, that. yeah. Like okay. honestly, I, I like just to get off topic a little bit. The retribution names are stupid. But I'm still interested in almost every person in that ring, and I'm getting over the names
1: just to see what the hell they do. And the names, and I hate when I, I know I hate when I have to point this out because people get very angry. That's all you're talking about is exactly. the names. That means you're talking about it. You know what I mean? It's just like you're talking about it, and you talk about the names, then you talk about the angle, then you talk about everything, and you might think it's all stupid. You know, nah. tip my hat to you. I thought a lot of people thought Raw was dumb this week. I actually enjoyed it. (laughs) So I'm going to take shit for that forever. (laughs) I agree with you. He ranted like a motherfucker this week. Brian Alvarez. You know why? I've noticed this with Brian Alvarez. And I'm not ever, like, he's not my favorite person to listen to. And I'm not hating on him. But I realize he watches a lot of wrestling, right? But because he has to, I feel, and this may be completely wrong. Because he has to watch so much wrestling, they get prepared for the show. He doesn't pay all the way attention. Because to me, there are plot details that he misses that makes what they're doing make sense. And especially with the retribution angle, especially with the show this week. But this is not a WWE podcast. But that's just something I noticed going forward. I've noticed him do it with AEW and say, oh, that's stupid, because he'll literally, like, he'll miss a whole line the person said, and the line completely cleans it up, but he'll miss it. And then he'll rant for five minutes about something he misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I just, I mean, I if I had to do what he does, and I, and I, and this is, if I had to do what he does, and watch literally everything, so I can talk about it intelligently with Dave on a daily basis, you know, I would miss things too. Because sometimes you don't feel like watching it right then, but you have to watch it anyway. And you know, when you don't feel like watching something, you have to watch it anyway, you don't pay as close attention. It's just the way it is.
2: Yeah, exactly. Now, after this spot, we had Eddie Kingston coming out and cu- cutting a really damn good promo. There was a lot of great promos on this show overall. He came out basically to call out John Moxley before their match tonight because Eddie Kingston was given a title match, considering the circumstances with Lance Archer with COVID and just the match that was booked to kind of kind of fell apart because of situations. He talked about how again. Pushing the fact he was never eliminated from the Casino Battle Royal, and he said he's 18 years. Says he deserves this sh- this shot. Him and John Moxley used to be cut from the same cloth, but then John Moxley sold his soul to the devil and went to the land of sports entertainment, and he never sold out. And then Moxley came out with his title. There was a stare down, and then the AEW referees and officials separated them. Eddie Kingston's just great on the mic. Honestly, like I don't think there's a ton to like go over. We've talked on and on again about how Eddie Kingston is a hell of a promo. We talked last week about how he cut a promo on a cookie and he made it sound good. Eddie but Kingston it was a great way to build. That's all I it have was a to great say. way to build to the main event and it was just really really strong considering that this match was kind of booked on the fly because of circumstances.
1: Correct. Yeah, Eddie Kingston's dope. That's all I have to say.
2: Exactly. We then had Hangman Adam Page continuing his singles run as he take, took on Evil Uno of the Dark Order, Kenny Omega, once again stuck on commentary again for this match because he just cannot escape being related to Hangman Adam Page and being tied to him. He said on the he said on the uh, on commentary that uh, the match was originally offered to both him and uh, Hangman Page as a tag team match against Uno and Grayson. Kenny Omega turned it down saying the tag team part of me is dead.
1: Yes. So so retired Former part-time tag team wrestler Kenny Omega decided to do commentary this week. I mean... To be beat down by FTR so bad that you don't even want to wrestle. You just want to do commentary is amazing. Uh, But, yes, he's very funny on commentary. He has this very amazing sense of humor. During the match, he said uh, about body gear, uh, that Evil Uno's body gear, if it was there to protect from amazingly hard chest or to hide his hideous physique. I laughed. (laughs) so hard. No, I give Kenny Omega a lot of shit on this show because it's fun for me and, you know, it's honestly for an audience of one, he knows who he is uh, but, no, Kenny Omega is kind of great at everything that he does and that's the thing that hurts me the most. Like, I want to bury Kenny Omega, like, all the time just because my friend loves him so much and we go back and forth my Cody guy, he's a Kenny guy but, yeah, he's kind of graded everything so it's really hard to bury him right <laughs>
2: it really is honestly i mean it's like it's like when you have such a backlog of like unbelievable shit then you're like oh well he can't do no he did that a couple years ago um actually he did that recently too um no but he can't do no he did he did that too um yeah, and he- it's more so like just you want to bury him and you want to take him down just because like first of all you know people will get pissed off if you make a comment like that and second of all like you just wanted to kind of chip away at him a little bit because at this point he looks almost Herculean yes. in his in his advantage.
1: Yes, and I used to be this guy. I used to be like, okay, Cody's my favorite wrestler. Kenny's an amazing wrestler. I have no problem with Kenny, but it's so funny how many Kenny fans like absolutely hate Cody, and I'm just like, dude. So I kind of you know me you poke at me and then, and then i start you know poking back but it's like really the dude is just dope he's just great at everything and it's like he, i i love watching him wrestle so it's like i can't yeah. i can't really well, i'm like i'm going to, to continue to make fun of him you know for being retired from tag team wrestling by the greatest tag team walking god's green earth ftr but yeah i mean credit is where credit's you got to give credit where credit's due you know sure
2: Yeah, exactly. But overall, this match against Evil Uno for Hangman Adam Page, he's once again just really showcasing his ability to be a singles guy after being in a tag team for so long, and just the slow build that they seem to be going for between Hangman and Kenny, which that match, when it comes out, and when they make that match happen probably will be considered one of their best singles matches in aew history like just in general when that when they end up clashing against each other because they've there's the build to this has been really maniacal and really slow and just the way that they're kind of moving along and i think when it comes out and and they end up going at each other that it's one match that probably people will be talking about for a very long time this match overall was very physical evil uno not really seen a ton out of uh, tag team matches, but he did very well, I think. But yeah. Hangman continuing to uh, do really well. But um, I was I was surprised Uno did well just as a singles competitor.
1: Yeah, Uno is like one of those people. You look at him, you'd be like, oh, he can't move like he does. But he does. He's very talented. There's nothing in the ring he can't do. It was just, it was a great match. It was a great uh, spotlight on Hangman and his, uh, you, you know, a forced singles run. Cause he doesn't, he did not want to leave the tag team division. He's kind of been forced to, and you know, he stuck with the long pants. Uh, it was actually in his entrance. It says decided to stick with the long pants. Uh, yeah, I, you know, down, let's, let's go hangman. Uh, hopefully hangman, Kenny full gear. Maybe, I maybe you know, me personally, I you know, with how AEW works, this is building the fill full gear. Uh, but I, I, if you wanted to slow slow it up a little bit and go all the way to Revolution, I wouldn't get mad.
2: Yeah, no, honestly, I think that would be a decent, um,
1: decent Because Revolution, you might get some fans. You exactly, might, you might that's get some all fans. All the way in February, and, so. yeah, and then
2: it's a and it's a year away from it's a year after that one tease that they had after the tag match between the Young Bucks and Hangman and Kenny.
1: Yeah, so they had a five star match, you know. Uh, if five star if stars are your thing. They had the five star match at Revolution, and they come back and you be like, one year ago they had a five star match as a tag team. Now they're gonna wrestle each other. Like nothing in my mind, no one can convince me that Kenny Omega and Hangman is gonna be anything less than a five star match when they finally have it. Seriously, like, no. I think the internet's just gonna go crazy. Shit. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Me as well. We then
2: had a backstage interview with Tony Schiavone with Matt Jackson, which, I mean, you're signing a death warrant there when you're doing that. Um, Young Bucks have not been kind towards backstage interviewers, have not been kind to referees. Uh, Tony Schiavone uh, talked to Matt, and Matt said they should have never super kicked Alex Marvez or the ref, who they forgot what his name was. It was Mike Posey. And they felt bad. Matt said the Bucks have been through a lot in the past few weeks, but they will be better. Tony then talked about FTR and, and Matt Jackson, Uh, and just how FTR has been like running wild and Matt was not happy and, uh, asked for a different question. And then he asked to see Tony's phone. He smashed it against the wall and shattered it. Shoot. I'm pretty sure he, he pretty much broke his phone and then, uh, he felt bad and then just threw a stack at Tony telling him to get an upgrade. Um, and then Tony was just like, they should put that in their book, which I believe should have been out by now, but got delayed, but whatever.
1: Yeah. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was great. Don't if they super kick Tony, that's that's the heel turn. If they ever yeah. super kick, I mean that's it. I mean it's like everything right now is kind of their heel ish. But if they ever touch Tony Schiavone, it's over. Tony Schiavone it very much is. I don't know a more universally loved figure in wrestling Period than Tony Schiavone. Like I've never heard a bad word about Tony Schiavone. Like from anyone. And you know how long he's been in wrestling? Oh, Everybody yeah. gets buried for something. You know, nothing from Tony against Tony Schiavone. So he's either like a mafia don, quiet mafia don that has <laughs> dirt on everyone. That they they just they know don't mess with Tony. Or the dude's just a genuinely nice guy. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, so he'll, he'll heat. You will get heat. You will get booed. Die Hard Young Bucks fans will boo the Young Bucks if you touch Tony Schiavone.
2: Why do you think people got so mad when Britt Baker was going after Tony Schiavone and
1: just like digging him a new hole? Yeah, exactly. The dude's just nice. Like when you meet him, you would think you're the one that's famous. He asks <laughs> things about you, he's like smiling, shaking your hands, looking at you in the eye. And it's like, huh. I came he's to meet one him. One
2: guys, <laughs> he's one of the guys I really want to meet eventually.
1: Yeah, it's like, I came to meet him, but he's acting like he's excited to meet me. It's so, it's very weird. And it's, it, I've always put over my meeting with Tony Schiavone because it was it was just very like, he was there and he was present. Now, doesn't happen a lot with a lot of people. And my friend Ryan was very nervous to meet him. And he calmed Ryan down and he's just like, man, you know, and it was just very, it was very cool. He's just, like, cool dude. Seems like a genuinely good dude.
2: He really does. And then, after
1: this, we
2: had the TNT Championship match between the Exalted One, Dark or- uh, From the Dark Order, Mr. Brody Lee, who is the TT Champion, versus freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. Match was really, really good, honestly. I think the idea of a match between Orange Cassidy and Brody Lee is odd. But I I like how they've had uh, Orange Cassidy be a lot more physical in his matches and kind of they've moved away from him doing nothing but comedy stuff and then um, really allowed him to have a lot more physicality to his matches and be a lot more, like, in it. And I think that's a good decision, especially for this match. They had a really strong, fast-paced match. Brody Lee looked really good. But then, honestly, this match no disrespect to Orange Cassidy and no disrespect to Brody Lee. This match kind of got overshadowed over what happened after it.
1: So Floyd, go ahead. So, it got overshadowed from the very beginning. Uh Cody, uh Cody Rhodes, who has been gone for a long time, sent out a message, five weeks. yeah, 5 weeks on his community. And it was a GPS uh from Macon, Georgia to Jacksonville, Florida. Uh yeah. And I at that moment immediately started getting excited, damn near shit myself, because I honestly thought he was gonna be gone another month. Um so he comes, uh so uh they have the match and I even put on the uh a I put it on the All Things Elite Twitter, if you saw it, uh I said, Hey, Orange Cassidy, you know, Brody Lee, I'm gonna go ahead and let you finish. Well, I'm just sitting here waiting on Cody to show up. You know, then a friend of mine then messaged me. He was like, you know, that thing, the circle in the back, have those steps always been there? And I was like, I was like, nope. He's like, that's a dead giveaway. Cody's coming back. So they have their match. And honestly, it was a match. It was a championship match where the champion won. Orange Cassidy looked good. I don't know if Orange Cassidy would have been my pick to take a loss right there. He'd been kind of hot from the Jericho thing. I would have probably found him another rivalry, not going straight into the TNT. But, hey, that's me being overly critical because, yeah, it was all the the lights hit. The music hits. Then you see the Death of Cody. Death of Cody logo, which is a Nightmare Family logo, uh, red and running with blood. And then the lights come up and up like a phoenix from the ashes <laughs> the savior the face the man of aew gravitas if there is you look in you look up the word gravitas you will see a picture of this man like a gif of him rising up from the bottom the biggest star in aew cody comes back i mean honestly he comes up this his moment You know, I'm sitting down, I'm excited, like, you know, shaking, and I'm like, and he comes out, and he does what he does, he ran through everybody, and Brody Lee ran, ran away, and yeah, and Cody was back, the captain is back, you know, the captain of the ship of AEW, I'm just like, AEW wasn't the same without him, like I said, big, big, big gravitas moment, big moment, King Cody, the guy, He's back. He's back. I'm excited. He is. AWA plus episode from that beginning. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It all is right in the world. Yeah. Uh-
2: and honestly, here's the thing, too. Cody had a great return, but not taking away anything from Mr. Brody Lee, who also did not want to be upstage. After this, had a promo backstage. Holy shit. This is the same guy who in that other company was told not to talk because he looked like a hillbilly and he didn't think and nobody thought he could talk eloquently. But my God, that was a hell of a promo by Brody Lee backstage saying, you can run for a long time, but sooner or later, I'm going to cut you down. He had a dog collar in his hand, said he's going to wrap it around his stupid tattooed neck and he'll have no way to run and nowhere to hide and gave him one week to answer if he's a man or if he's a coward. Brody Lee,
1: hell of a promo. Hell of a promo. I will, here again, have to turn on my critical hat sometimes. Why the hell are they having a dog collar match? Why would Brody Lee introduce the dog collar match? Uh-huh. Brody Lee beat him in three minutes unmercifully with, you know, no offense from Cody. Why would Cody be the one running? It was just so many questions. They'll make it work, don't get me wrong. But the introduction of the dog collar seems really, really forced.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I just I just took it as the the well, way I took it was that Brody Lee's out of his mind and he's having a power trip and
1: he just wants to embarrass Cody. That's and, how I, I took it. and then my friend asks, "Is like so they just carry around dog collars?" I'm like, "They do wear lots of black and leather, so imagine a dog collar is somewhere in there." You know, Evil Uno looks like a guy that has a dog collar on hand. I'm just... Either that or John Silver's into some weird shit. Because oh, John's the one who handed it to him. Yeah, you can't. You can't you can't count that out, John Silver. But uh, yeah, it's it just like I I would like a dog collar match. But I would like a little story behind my dog collar match. And uh, I think
2: we'll get that to next week when we yeah. have Cody. But he just
1: it's it just like I said, he just came out of nowhere though. It's like did, did he beat him with a dog collar when he put Cody out or something? Did he like it's like uh-huh. even wrestling just wrestling in the past wrestling it's like. Usually there's more. Again, this is my critical hat. This is Floyd being more critical than i ever been. There's a, I have no idea where the dog collar came from. <laughs> and yes, Brody Lee is crazy. That is great. But the fact that, you know, the guy that just came out and tried to attack you would somehow then want to be running in the match to the point where you need a dog collar to keep him close to you. That dog don't hunt. To use a very southern term, that dog don't hunt. <laughs> I don't get it.
2: <laughs> yeah, well we'll definitely have to see what comes out of this. Oh yeah, definitely no,
1: again, they'll make it work.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's it's with involving Cody, most likely it will be working in its favor. But after this we had a segment with Matt Hardy in private party, and he was talking about how he was attacked with a baseball bat last week and He we don't know who it was, but the lead is going towards Chris Jericho and Matt Hardy called out Chris Jericho. Then the demo God himself came out with his inner circle members and Sammy Guevara came to join back in with inner circle. Honestly, I'm surprised he even left. Uh, He then said. If he was going to take out his leg with a bat, he would do it to his face. And then Matt Hardy then says Uh, If they'll clear me, I'll fight you and fight the entire inner circle. And Mark Quinn then says, you need to heal up, Matt. I'm here. I will take on Jericho. Then Isaiah Cassidy said he'll take on uh, Chris Jericho. And he said, what if a 23-year-old kid from the streets of Brooklyn beats Chris Jericho on Dynamite next week? What if I make Le Champion my bitch?
1: That would have been better if he said May... Late he champion. said, "My late champion bitch." Yeah, I was like, uh "That was that was too long." But again, I, I wanna I wanna make this this whole thing with private party is I've heard them getting crap. The only way you get better, they're both really really young, re- really green. They're not working indies right now. What's the only way to get better on the mic? Getting mic time more and more. Yeah, it's like you know every you know. Eddie Kingston wasn't always Eddie Kingston. You know what I mean? And it's like, Cody wasn't always Cody. If you look at Cody when he's young, he had a pronounced lisp. You can hear it sometimes, but for the most part, it's gone. you like, over lots of years, you get better at cutting promos. But the only way to get better at cutting promos is to cut them with the lights on. You know what I mean? It's like, pre-recorded, great, but not, you got to cut them with the lights on. Was it a little yeah. rough? Yes, but I saw something there. Again, I saw something there. Uh, Mark Quinn, he, he's one of those people I see as one of the futures of AEW, so definitely want his promos to get better. Isaiah Cassidy might be the genetic of the group, but I do find him... I, he does some stuff as far as the theatrics of wrestling that make him stick out. And You know, he did that, and it's like, man, it's like make lay champion my bitch if he said it like that it would have been like okay that's perfect. It wasn't off but it's calling him my lay champion bitch it just it just seemed long. It was, it was wordy. I'm very excited for the match. Chris Jericho trying to put over young people and it is pronounced. His role in AEW right now is pronounced. It is clear. Yes. Put over young people. Because yeah. he's not in the championship pitcher anymore really. It's put over young people, and now he's about to work with K- Cassidy. I was more excited for Quinn, but got no problem with Cassidy.
2: Yeah, and honestly, they could still do the Mark Quinn match because they're really trying to do a little bit more of Mark Quinn in singles competition. So I, don't, I wouldn't be shocked if we see um, him face Jericho as well in sometime in the future. But after that segment, we had the AEW World Tag Team Champions, FTR, accompanied by Tully Blanchard, being interviewed by Tony Schiavone. And now, normally a 60-minute time limit is the standard for championship matches, but the so new fans can see the tag champs in actions. They're making it 20 minutes, and they get to pick the challengers. And that was said by Tolly Blanchard. And they said, next week, SCU will get a 20-minute brush with greatness. So they cut down the time limit uh, to pretty much limit the offense that SCU would get. And I'm sure Floyd will cut me off and say something along the lines of different... But I
1: mean that's what it looked like. What so what they did is Tully Blanchard, old T N T old T V champion, you used to wrestle with him for twenty minutes. And, you know, that was the time limit. If he made it twenty minutes, of course it was a draw and you didn't get it. So they kinda went with that old school throwback for F T R. Second of all, they are on a two hour T V show and they I'm like like twenty minutes would be a very long match on uh, it would be a long match on a w t v so they made it excuse for their matches to be somewhat shorter. Second of all, nobody in the company deserves to go ten minutes with FTR, let alone a full twenty, because most of them just can't hang. So he's like, you know what? I'm gonna put a twenty minute time limit on it, so it'll give you excuse to only lose in like six. So it works. It works. Uh, I I wanna. Uh, tip my hat to all the tag teams that will get to check greatness and they'll be able to tell their grandchildren and they'll be able to tell whoever that they got to get beat up by FDR. You're welcome. Uh, you know, then these, DeBron's the best friends come out and they like, Oh, we want to fight right now. And he like FTR compassionate hearts that they are. It's like, you just were in a street fight last week. We beat you in like a minute and a half, go home, get some rest. Get some rest. We'll see about getting you a championship match later. FTR is so good to people. You know what I mean? It's just like <laughs> they they are so good. They are you know, they're friendly guys. So we're gonna uh you know you know, forever the rain, dude. It's the the rain is continuing, they're never gonna lose. I'm okay with that. And I'm like just sit back, relax. If you don't like long title runs. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, because this one's never going to, it's not going to end. As long as AEW is, they will be champions. One-time AEW tag team champions.
2: I will also say, uh, uh, a, we had uh, Chuck Taylor, who proceeded to call FTR Weenies.
1: Weenies. Weenies. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, I
2: would expect nothing less uh from best friends for that kind of insult. Yeah. I it's completely in character.
1: Yeah, yeah, yes, it was uh it was a hard it was a hard hitting impact. Uh hard hitting you know, saying calling them weenies. They were really shaken up by that. We had to we had to have a zoom call after the show to let them know that they're not really weenies. He was just trying to get at them. <laughs> uh, we did a thre- we we did a four way hug. You know, like we did FTR. There you go. Top guys out.
2: All right. After this, we had the team of the AEW Women's Champion and the NWA Women's Champion, Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa, teaming to face the AEW Women's Tag Team Cup winners, Ivelisse and Diamante. And I got to be honest, not the best that I was hoping for. There was a bit of a spot, I believe, where Ivelisse messed up her timing and she got tagged in and she kind of was skittish when she came to the ring and i was very much confused as to like what was trying to be accomplished and it was just it seemed really off and it seemed like communication was kind of off at some point in the match like everybody in this ring is really good um but it was it eh, honestly it wasn't the strongest that it could have been it, and it it was yeah. no,
1: it was a match that absolutely had no stakes and if no. you don't have any stakes you really need to come with the physicality and or a high spot or something to make make it a reason that I'm watching this match. Because it was like, why am... I'm like, literally, they announced the match, and I'm like... So, in my head, I start booking, you know, fantasy booking. I was like, well, Elise Diamante, and Thunder Rosa are going to turn on Sheeta and build up a longer-term rivalry. You know, now she has to overcome fighting three people. I was like, that makes, you know, that makes sense. I didn't know how long Thunder Rosa was staying around, but I was just like, if you're going to do this match and you're not really doing any other women's matches on the card to afford any type of storyline, there really needs to be a reason for this match. Like, every other match, I can tell mm-hmm. you why it happened. Yeah, and this one just <laughs> didn't have anything really yeah, going for it. Yeah, yeah. she did mean, like... I think Cheetahs beat both of the people in the tag team. Thunder Rosa's beat Evil It's like, I, I mean, I and I know back in the day, two champions being on the uh, same side, side wrestling each other would have been a big thing. But now, you've kind of gave us, you've kind of put out there that everything happens for a reason, right? I, I you know, I, I'm not saying there is no reason. I just didn't see a reason in this. Yeah. Yeah, so it was, it was a match. I didn't think it was bad. I didn't think no, it was it just, amazing. Yeah. It was just there. You know, and after uh, Thunder Rose's last few performances have been so kick-ass, and of course Sheeta's amazing, and then the other two are very physical, it was kind of a letdown, unfortunately. Yeah. I, it, sure. it, 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 like, not a letdown as in that it was bad. I, I'm not saying it was bad. I just want to make that clear. It was. It just wasn't it, as good as it could have been. It, it just wasn't as good as it could have been.
2: Yeah. Now we can get to the main event, the AEW World Championship match between John Moxley and Mad King Eddie Kingston. God, I love Eddie Kingston. I just, like, every, every time he appears on my TV, he just, I, he wins me over more and more and more. I Like, there was a point where I went on Twitter and I saw a compilation of him on just running his mouth, and it was just the best. I was dying of laughter. And he's unbelievably physical. They just... Uh, Moxley and Eddie Kingston, like he said, they're cut from the same cloth, and they had a really physical singles match for the title. Moxley ended up getting the win with his uh, sleeper and then transitioned into the bulldog choke, which uh, he used to beat uh, – who did he use to beat, beat it? I can't remember. Uh,
1: he be, uh, used uh, Brody. Brody Lee.
2: Yeah, Brody Lee. That's right. He used that to beat Brody Lee, winning it by ref stoppage because uh, Ray uh, – um, uh, Eddie Kingston didn't tap out, he passed out and then after the match Lucha Bros, Penta El Zero M and Ray Phoenix came out and super kicked John Moxley and then Will Hobbs came to even the odds and yeah, he looks like a million bucks I will say, just like him coming out he looks like he's going to fit in very, very well. He evened the odds but then uh, he delivered a hell of a spine buster to Ray Phoenix but then he gets swarmed after a double super kick from uh, the Lucha Bros. Then Darby Allin comes in, clears the ring with his, uh, with his skateboard. But then after he clears the ring, Absolute Ricky Starks comes in and spears the living daylights out of Darby Allin. Like, Jesus Christ. And then he just started taking the skateboard, nailing Darby in the abdomen with it. And then just it finished with Taz walking out with Lucha Bros, Ricky Starks, Taz, and Eddie Kingston standing over top of Mox Hobbs and Darby Allin. This will most likely continue into next week's Dynamite and in Dynamites in the future. Really good finish, honestly. I like it was a good way to con- to kind of give you what we were supposed to see a little bit of from last week, uh, like being when it was booked for this week. But despite that, like the singles match between Kingston and Moxley was really good. It was a good finishing match, and then just. Um, Everyone had a really good spot in this little uh, finishing brawl after the match. And I thought it was a great way to end the show, which finished pretty well.
1: But, uh, Floyd, your thoughts? Yeah, uh, great big finish to the end. I like seeing Will Hobbs featured. I like seeing Darby Allin featured. The match was the match. It was a really good physical, hard-hitting, like, hard-hitting match. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was like, it's it's the kind of match Eddie Kingston's going to tell. You're not going to get a lot. You're not going to get a flip from Eddie Kingston. He's going to punch you in the face. It, it was exactly what you wanted out of a world title match. You, of course, you would have liked a little more build to it. I would have actually, and it, it, I know this is going to be in, unpopular, I would have liked a little cheating during the match. I would have ah. liked to put you in the blade in the ring. It, it would have given more of a feel that Eddie Kingston could win. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, just a little cheating. Just I, I just think it would have added a just that little extra because that's the big thing with matches. You, you really need to feel like the opponent can win. I know it was a last second match, but you never at any point thought Eddie Kingston was winning. But he did still come out on top. I love that he didn't actually get pinned or submitted. He passed out to the point where the ref had to look at him and tell him he went out, which was even, even to me. Awesome, love little details like that. Uh, love little details in wrestling like that because most people, you know, they go out and it's just like, oh, they just accepted they went, you know, went out. But yeah, you know, a fighter is gonna be like, no, I didn't go out, like, dude, I was like, okay. No, so I thought that was cool. I thought the ending was cool. It it's leading to more because now we got this more like almost like the super beef with uh, John Moxley and his children against you know, you know, you got uh, he's got uh Ricky Starks, Eddie Kingston seems like this weird alliance cuz Taz comes out in the shape and then the shades and the vest and then he's just looking so cool. God, he's the coolest short man ever. I'm that. He's the coolest short person ever. I love Taz and yeah, it was perfect ending. Uh like I said Dynamite was good uh to great. I mean Cody made it an A. To me, I don't uh, know. For pers- sure. I'm just saying, to me, it's an A. But honestly, objectively, which I don't use that word very often, because I am not objective. I'm not a news source, dude. I'm not objective. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it was probably like a B, B-plus show. It wasn't like a home run. But I don't think, like, even when watching it, this was like one of my few times I was off. So I got to watch it uninterrupted. And my wife was with me. And she didn't seem ultimately bored. Which... Again, you know, as much wrestling as I watch, I I glazed over look is what I'm used to. And she actually seemed like she was somewhat interested in what was going on.
2: Now that says a lot. Yeah. But that was AEW Dynamite for this week. Again, I would most likely agree, objectively, probably more of a B show. But there was a lot of really good moments for me. The things that put it over were Cody's return, Eddie Kingston, uh, Eddie Kingston's performance, and... Uh, uh, Mr. Brody Lee's promo would put it over for me. I think those were really strong in the show. But we're going to get into the preview for next week's Dynamite. We also have a couple extra things we'll bring up to just kind of tie up the ending of the show. But before we do that, I want to let you know that support for All Things things Elite is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. And if you use the code SUPLEX, when you make your order, you'll get 20% off and free shipping, not one or the other, not anything else. You get 20% free shipping, which combined make a pretty damn good deal. And it helps us out, too, if you use that code. So Floyd, as well, can tell you just how good Manscaped really is.
1: Yes, it uh, looks like Cody's return got you a little shaken up. Can't get the words out. I get it. I get it. Cody <laughs> has that effect on people. But to Manscaped, man, uh, suplex in, get 20% off from free shifting. Man, 20% off and free shifting. It's almost like they're doing you a favor. Because once you get the products and you try them, you take that lawnmower 3.0 and age it up, and then you put on the refresher and all that stuff, you're going to be like, dude, why didn't I do this before? Why didn't I do this? It was like, so if the difference between you trying it and not trying it is 20% as a person that has used Manscaped products, I can tell you, you will not regret it. it you will not, you will not be like, why did I use this? Because it is amazing. So again, go to manscaped.com, Suplex, get 20% off from free shipping. You, you help support the show and you help support yourself and your grooming needs.
2: Yep, and thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring all things Elite. Going into the preview for next week's Dynamite, we have FTR versus SCU. The team of SCU will be made of Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian, of course, because of uh, Christopher Daniels being out for reasons. Ricky Starks and Darby Allin will be taking each other on. This feud has been going on for a while, and I think seeing them go go at it one-on-one will really showcase both of them. We have the Chris Jericho-Isaiah-Cassidy match that was announced this week on Dynamite. We have the return of Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and John Moxley, of course, the AEW World Champion, will be making an appearance. That is what's been announced for this week's Dynamite so far. Going into it, the return of Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, will be nice, because I'm excited to see what they end up doing with her afterwards. Um, and then, Ricky Stark, Starby Allen. I mean, this feud has been going on for a little bit, and I think once they collide, should be a Pretty underrated match because I think people n- aren't necessarily sure what to think of Ricky Starks necessarily. I will say I'm a lot higher on him just after that spear he nailed on Darby Allen this week. Holy goddamn, he like turned him inside out. And Darby Allen, he's still one of my all-time favorites in AEW. So I'm anything he's in, I'm interested in regardless. And the feud with Ricky Starks has been slight, pretty interesting, and I'm I'm excited to see what comes out of it. FTRSCU, I mean, you got two damn great tag teams, and I think two teams that are going to really just showcase what they can do and it's limited to 20 minutes not 60 minutes for the titles because tv time no that's pretty much the reason but floyd any specific thoughts on this dynamite that uh you're looking forward to and anything else you want to talk about that we've learned in the world
1: of all things wrestling most excited about ftr versus fcu just kidding okay Objectively, so Ricky Starks and Darby Allen, they've done a good job since Ricky Starks pretty much debuted, joined Team Taz. He yeah. has; they have been building up this match. I think it's going to be amazing. I, I really do. Ricky Starks is selling, Darby Allen selling. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna do everything they can to make each other look good and to probably kill each other. So that's going to be super fun. FTR uh, gives SCU a pressure greatness and it looks like it's going to be the scorpio sky frankie kazarian version of su the actual first tag team champions that get the pleasure of losing the FTR. it is their, you know you know you know now on their resume in order frankie kazarian's career first thing's going to be at the top is that he got to lose the FTR. you know <laughs> second thing Uh, First time AEW Tag Team Champion, so it's a good list. Scorpio Sky getting a rub from FTR, and like everybody else has tried to make him famous, they're going to make him famous by being losing to them. You know that's how good they are. So I'm looking forward to that. Chris Jericho giving Isaiah Cassidy the elbow. I hope he does the little scream that he does sometimes when he gets the elbow. That would be hilarious. Uh, Britt Baker, she's. I mean, it was funny. It was like. COVID did not kill her run, but she was so hot, you know, and then she just seemed to get bigger, and it's like, I hope her legs all healed up so we can get some uh, Britt Baker in wrestling, and of course, now Moxley's going to cut an amazing promo, so, but, you know, when I talk about Ricky Starks versus Darby Allen, I think if they're going to do a main event, it should be the main event, it it's, should be. it's the best built storyline, I know you got the best tag team in the world uh, on the show, but... I think Ricky Starks and Darby Allin was the best built storyline.
2: Yeah, honestly, we have a couple other things that happen in AEW on like Uh, things like being the elite and whatnot.
1: Yeah, so uh, Silver and Reynolds, I thought it was you know I pick like a segment from the show every week. Silver and Reynolds thought Britt Baker was a baker and not a dentist. Which is hilarious because she literally says she's a dentist in every promo. Literally says DMD on her shirts. So it was, it was kind of funny because they, like, they wanted a recruiter because uh, they wanted a recruiter because Brody Lee likes cakes and pies and sweets, and she's a baker. He's like Your last I, name I just not-
2: relate to I just relate to John Silver because I don't listen very well either, yeah. so I
1: relate to John Silver a lot. <laughs> yeah. So she thought he was a dentist. Uh, the Butcher and the Blade were on AEW Unrestricted podcast. Uh, they're very. I I've only listened to about half of it so far, but it's been very entertaining. So uh, definitely want to look that up. I'm going to try to start putting that c- kind of tidbits out there because it's one of the best. It's like the podcast, they're allowed to talk about other companies they work for, how they got there, meeting Tony. It's very just straightforward, uh, interesting. You get something similar from uh, their interviews on, like, the Jericho podcast, but it's just, you know, Tony Schiavone's on there, Aubrey Edwards. It's just very more, it seems more relaxed. And yeah. it, then they announced Jericho's 30th year wrestling 30 year in wrestling celebration on October 7th. So looking forward to that. I, I, you know, That'll be really entertaining. Jericho has been part of some of the most memorable, like in ring celebration segments in history. So i like to see what they do with that. And the last, but not least, I just saw this before I got on. It looks like uh, FTR wants to wrestle the Motor City Machine Guns, the current impact tag team champions. Uh, oh my God, make it happen. Yeah. They said, uh, the way I see it, they said uh, MCMG uh, it was one of the names thrown out there, and they said, yeah, a lot of people throw out a lot of names, but this is the one that we went to Tony and said we want to make that happen. I don't know. They're the tag team champions in Impact, so I'm guessing they're under contract. Now, uh, They a lot of people say, like, the Young Bucks are kind of the Rock and Roll Express, you know, to the FTRs, like Midnight Express or Tully and Arn. Think Motor City Machine Guns actually matches up with them better, as far as how they wrestle, especially in Motor City Machine Guns, like older age now. I just think I think it would uh I think it would be a great tag team match. I'm not saying I think FTR versus Young Bucks is going to be a 22 star classic, but I think the Motor City Machine Guns would be very entertaining. I would love Impact to get the rub. By being on national TV and people realizing that they exist, I don't think, you know, with AEW so strong and they're such a clear number two, giving love or a shout out to Impact, I don't think would affect their product at all.
2: Especially because Impact over the last couple months and like even last year, they've really improved since they escaped the wrath of Dixie Carter. Like honest to God, like they've been doing a lot of great stuff. And for like I've never been a guy who's watched Impact, and it's the stuff they've been doing recently has had me intrigued to actually check it out every once in a while. So I think having a collaboration between the two can only benefit. Um, first of all, AEW getting some of the most popular people from impact on aew would only do them some good and impact in general working with aew would only do them good so it seems like you know win-win for both companies but we'll see if anything comes out of it i mean ftr put it out in the world now it's just for the powers to at be to see if it comes into fruition
1: yes uh absolutely uh i 110 percent want this match to happen i want it to happen on both shows that's the big thing with me i would like I wanted to go old school. I want Motor City Machine Guns to wrestle FTR on Dynamite. Then FTR, go wrestle Motor City Machine Guns on Impact. H- help boost both of the ratings, main event, both of the shows. Build it as this dream matchup that we've all been waiting for. And it can be something you can do to even push that Young, max, young Bucks match a little further back as they're fully transforming into uh maybe i say new characters but again it's more like they're old characters there's like they're finding the old young bucks
2: yeah and i think that can only do them well because considering how people feel about the young bucks at least at this point in time a change in their character will go a long way for them but overall that'll do it for this episode of all things elite thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening so again be sure you're downloading the show on google or apple Podcasts, and if you're on spotify be sure to do and share it with everybody, just like on a Google-Apple podcast. Be sure to share us on that, too. Leave a rating or interview, and you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle, if you're so inclined. We would be so appreciative of that. On Twitter, we are at ATElitePod, at Social Suplex, at SZoomer4, which is myself, and at Floyd Johnson Jr. And there's nothing really to do right now but just to let Floyd take us home for tonight's show. Take it away.
1: Hey, um... I just want to say thank you for listening. Uh, every moment, every second that you spend listening to the show, I really appreciate it. Uh, I know, I know, my my love for my favorites can get out of hand, but I still, you know, I still appreciate you listening. Uh, in in the world right now, it looks like unfortunately, it looks like fortunately, we're kind of on that steady path back to normal i'm hoping everybody is taking precautions wearing their masks social distancing all that good stuff but again just look out look out for your fellow person look out for everybody be nicer to each other on the internet and social media be more tolerant all those good things that people say, but I wanted to end the show just reminding you because they get lost. Too much time gets goes past without you remembering, it, remembering to do those things. But remember, the most important, whether it's home, school, or work, always do your best to be elite.